Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Zanati Guma. Tackling your stock-related questions this evening are Jonathan Fisher from PSG Wealth, Santon Grayston and Nick Kunza from Sunlam Private Wealth. Send those questions via SMS to 41392. Email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Thank you so much, gentlemen, to the both of you for joining us. Let's start with you, Jonathan. I mean, there seems to be a kind of a backtracking on the recession talk. Uh, I mean, sure, there's a slowdown in trade and a normalization in demand that's expected. But I don't know, from what I'm reading, it seems that there's more optimism when it comes to recession, that there's, we may avoid a global recession, but there just will be a slowdown. What sense are you getting? Look, it's very difficult to say. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, world economies are slowing down um, and it is a concern. I don't know whether we're going to head heading towards a recession or not. Um, when I talk... I'm talking like worldwide recession, not specifically mm -hmm. South Africa. Yeah. Um, I think what has probably helped of late has been um, China lifting their lockdown in Shanghai. So I think that could help matters in the sense of um, increasing demand for uh, for commodities. But it's it's really difficult to say. You know, I think central banks have really got a. a, a they're they're in a difficult situation because at the end of the day, you know, you want your yeah. economies to grow, um, you don't want inflation to get out to get out of control. And currently, inflation in my mind is out of control. Yeah. You know, so you know, what do central banks do? They raise interest rates. What do interest rates do? Interest rates reduce um, output. What does that do? It affects company profits. What does that do? It affects um, stock prices around the world. And that's pretty much what we've seen in the past six months. Yeah. Um, you know, we've seen a huge pullback in markets. Um, just looking at some statistics, not statistics, some, uh, uh, some graphs of where we've come from. You know, it doesn't look too pretty. Okay, June was a horrible month. Yeah. Um, but if I just look here, I looked at it briefly uh, this afternoon, year to date. Now this is going back to end of June and it misses last week and today's trading. Mm -hmm. But the Aussie um, was down 8.3%. Financials, okay, not as bad, down 1.7%. Um, industrials, down 157 That's recovered quite nicely in the last week. Yeah. And uh, resources have been flat. And, um, you know, yeah. uh, I don't know. Hopefully, <laughs> we don't go into recession. Yeah. And hopefully, um, you know, the, the war in Russia stops how that's going to happen i've got no idea yeah but um it's a very difficult and uncertain time that we're sitting in at the moment yeah i mean nick are you also battling with this kind of push and pull because jonathan mentions <clears throat> that uh, the lifting of restrictions uh, in shanghai a couple of weeks ago but now we're getting reports that there's a new omicron subvariant that's been discovered there you're getting uh, casinos in macau shutting down because of of this outbreak i mean yeah, where are you with that push and pull on the recession talk? So I, th I think uh, a little bit in between. So, you know, markets typically shoot to the downside and they shoot to the upside. And, and the start of the year it was all about uh, inflation, rising rates and, and more and more inflation. Now the, the market seems to be very much about this, this uh, impending uh, recession around the corner. I don't think it's going to be – I don't think we're going to see a recession. And I think if you just look at what uh, – 
those jobless numbers on Friday, the world's biggest economy, I mean, it makes a bit of a mockery of recession talk. Those were June unemployment numbers at 3.5, 3.6% unemployment. So, yes, th I think things will definitely slow down. And we've got the U.S. earnings season kicking off this week. Uh, the, the financials or the, the U.S. earnings will give us a bit of an indication of, of how good or bad it is. Uh, for me, I've got to, I, I'm certainly keeping more of an eye on this U.S. dollar. You know, a strong dollar is going to hurt uh, U.S. earnings. And it's going to hurt emerging markets like us in South Africa. So, um, yes, there's going to be a slowdown, but I'm not, I'm not in a recession camp. Yeah. All right. Let's go into those earnings. Of course, uh, U.S. Uh, quarter two earnings season is upon us. Uh, Jonathan, I mean, uh, have you readjusted your expectations for U.S. earnings this time around? So, look, uh, right now, not uh, really. I mean, you know, I think uh, the, the two big financials that are going to be reporting this week are J.P. Morgan and Wells Fargo. Um, going to be interesting to see how those earnings come through. I think one needs to look at um, um, what provisions have been made um, in the statements, and um, you know that that will give a well. I guess the numbers uh, will speak for themselves. But at the end of the day, you just want to see the trends and what the consumer trends are. Um, you know, with respect to what's going on in that economy. Um, but to answer your question, no, we haven't uh, marked our earnings down significantly. Mm. All right. Um, let's get into some questions that have come through from viewers today. So we have one on Avenge. Uh, Avenge has been on a tear lately. Um, is there any reason why? And actually just looking at that graph, I think since the 6th of June, it's been on a sharp upward trend. Uh, Nick, is it all that, uh, that payout uh, that they're getting from a client of uh, McConnell Dow? Uh, in Australia, uh, I'm going to have to pass on this one. We don't, <laughs> we don't, unfortunately. So, Jonathan, it's a hot potato to you if you know it. <laughs> Jonathan, okay. do you want to crack at it? <laughs> I'll take uh, the rugby pass. Eh? Hopefully, we'll beat uh, Wales <laughs> this weekend. Makes it more interesting. Look, like Nick, I, you know, we don't follow Avenge closely, but yeah. I think there was, I think, as you mentioned, um, there's a big payout. Uh, of some legal dispute with McConnell, what's it? McConnell, yeah, McConnell Dull. McConnell Dull. Yeah. Oh, is that the name of the subsidiary, right? Yeah. And uh, I think the number is two hundred eighty million or yeah. something. Yeah. And I think Avengers market cap is like two point eight billion, so it is quite substantial. Yeah. I mean, Avengers is a little company that's battled. Mm -hmm. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I think they consolidated their share capital last year sometime. Um, they've been struggling to get their debt levels down. And I guess this is just a little bit of good news, um, you know, mm. for the company that I don't think has done well. I think their last set of numbers, you know, most of the metrics look negative. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to get $280 million to, I guess... Uh, recapitalize that subsidiary in Australia is a positive thing and um, you yeah. know it's a nice uh, cash injection for the company. Yeah maybe a step in the right direction because the viewers also asking is this absolutely going to last well I guess and this uncertain environment I guess we never really know. Um, there's another question here on Tongot Hewlett. Um, Nick I don't know if you look at that one there's a yeah a lot that's clouding that company right now I mean is it Ever a good time to buy the company? <laughs> well, I think Tom got Hewlett. I mean, we all 
I'm sure the viewers asked, we all know the history of the last year or so. I mean, the business is uh, speculative to say the least. Uh, they're trying to get a cash injection from uh, uh, an offshore entity based out of Mauritius linked to uh, Zimbabwean tobacco uh, farmers, but we'll leave it at that. I think there's all sorts of uh, sort of names being thrown around. But but overall, I mean, the business itself, they started to ready it. They were certainly looking better. They sold at the starch business. They seem to be getting a little bit a little bit more on track and uh but unfortunately it it uh they need some serious cash their their debt owed on it is far it's i think it's about seven or eight times bigger than the market cap so they do need cash uh rights has used been muted about that's been put on hold for now uh lots of litigation so yes so if you are a shareholder you know i don't know it, it, it for me it's very very speculative Mm-hmm. Um, and we haven't seen end game. The bottom line is they need to raise cash. So if you're a shareholder, either way, you're going to get your shares severely diluted. Um, Jonathan, I mean, would you take this as a punt? I mean, just looking at the the uh, the graph there on the day, uh, up more than fifteen percent. Um, bullish or bearish on the stock? So which one's Tongot? Tongot, yes. Tongot, yeah. Right. Um, I don't have a view, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> You know, I agree with Nick. I think it's a bit of a desperate situation. Mm. Um, and obviously, um, the Zimbabwean crowd see an opportunity there. I haven't followed the story. Mm. Um, you know, whether a capital injection and the reduction of debt can unlock value for existing, sorry, shareholders. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. All right. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's not on my buying list. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, both of you pretty skeptical on the stock. Um, th- there's a question here. Please can your panel explain what an individual should be doing uh, about the Distal share offer? I'm not interested in any unlisted shares. Nick? I mean, there's already a choice, is there? I mean, they, they, they've been brought out by Heineken, which is the, the large privately owned brewer in, or family owned brewer out of, out of Amsterdam. So, uh, Netherlands. so uh, I think it was 180. I think the share price the offer was somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, you don't, you don't really have a choice. And, and and I haven't seen the small print. I mean, it might be similar to what happened recently, uh, where they give you an option to have shares uh, maybe listed in Amsterdam with Heineken itself uh, in exchange. But I think for South African shareholders, there is no choice. You get a cash injection. That's pretty much it. You yeah. know, it's uh, another sort of. Uh, Another share being delisted, unfortunately, but yeah, it's, I don't think you have a choice, unfortunately, as a shareholder. Mm. All right, let's go into um, what came out today. So we had Goldfields coming in and uh, saying that uh, they, they, they're sweetening the deal, the Yamana uh, uh, gold deal. Um, so really, um, we saw after that announcement in May that they made of the acquisition, uh, really terribly received. Um, one of the biggest shareholders of the company, Red Wheel, even saying that Goldfields should cancel the deal and that it's an expensive era with no guarantee of growth or profitability. Um, with these moves to sweeten the deal, Jonathan, I mean, how much comfort should or does it give to shareholders? Look, um, I haven't followed the story closely, but, yeah. you know, you, you always find that an acquiring company, when it does a big deal like this, um, the share price often tends to drop, whereas the company being acquired, yeah. share price tends to go up. Um, you know, I thought about it over the last week, and what I can say is that Chris Griffith is a tremendous uh, operator and a good deal maker. You know, he's he's really done some uh, some excellent work at 
his previous companies. And, you know, if him and his team um, see some value in this, mm. um, you know, for the benefit of Goldfield shareholders and I guess uh, perhaps externalizing further um, into Canada, well, you know, time will tell. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. All right. It's, it's, you kind of got to please both sides and, you know, maybe these guys see some big value there. Nick, from your side, you know, when we saw, uh, when we had that announcement in May, we saw the markets really clobbering the share price uh, down more than a 20% back then. And so they've come out with this, you know, suitor deal promising higher returns and also saying that they're looking uh, to list on the Toronto Stock Exchange. But not really, um, no positive movements on the share price. Um, I, I imagine that the share price has been caught in the broader sour sentiment of the market and also the pressure that we have seen in the gold price. Um, I mean, with this deal do you think that the naysayers have now been won over no i don't think so I, you know it, it's uh, i think they certainly concerns over making acquisitions at, at what used to be the top of the cycle you know when these gold companies come out with their checks box it normally sort of rings the bell with the top so we're hoping it's not the case here uh, but as you point out, stronger dollar, gold price under pressure, the timing just does not seem seem ideal. I'd second, Jonathan, though, that you know, Mr. Griffith is a they're quality operator. They, maybe they see something the shareholders don't, but uh, still a lot of uh, a negativity toward it. As you said, though, trying to come out, interesting enough, coming out today, they said they had uh, very constructive talks with stakeholders, not too much depth on what the conversations were, other than that, as you said, a bit of a sweetener, they're going to pay out, they said, between 30, I think, and 45% uh, in a dividend now, so trying to become a little bit of dividend holder. And and clearly that uh, Yamana shareholders um, are holding quite a few cards because, uh, you know, definitely stipulating that they want to do a secondary listing in Canada as well. So you can see they're trying to keep everyone happy, but uh, I always love looking at a share price, and, and on a day like today, didn't even budge off the back of it. I think the market's still... Uh, on the skeptical side. Mm. All right. Um, let's go into some uh, news that came out of China. So we had um, some of the tech giants, Tencent, Alibaba, being slapped uh, with fines on an anti-monopoly um, regulation. So I saw Alibaba down uh, more than 5% and Tencent almost 3%. Um, but looking at Nasdaq in process, actually no real negative movements there. Um, is this, Jonathan, maybe a thing of um, market? Are markets, you know, have they fully priced in the risks when it comes to China, or are they still struggling? Uh, listen, I think um, so. When you talk about Naspers process um, and Tencent, Alibaba, I think you know that that market is so. It's that market, the Chinese market, it's and what the governments control and what they do, it's kind of unpredictable. So, mm. you know, we hope that, you know, as investors, that the Chinese government doesn't start um, getting more and more restrictive on these tech companies um, for the sakes of shareholders and for the sakes of company profits. Um, yeah, it's a tough call. Yeah. Um, you know, so like recently, Tencent, or rather Naspers process, have been offloading, um, are going to be offloading uh, parts of Tencent, not parts, but portions of it, bit by bit, uh, to try unlock um, 
more value and close the gap in the NAV yeah. um, that they've been rightly criticized for for the last year, year and a half. Whether that's going to work or not over time, we'll see. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a tough thing for NUSPAS and process right now to be in tough space rather. Yeah. All right, uh, just sticking with that, there's actually a question that just came in from a viewer uh, for you, Nick. Uh, with uh, Tencent buying back the stock that Process is selling, is there not a double value unlock with regard to the Process sell down and buying back of its own stock? Uh, no, because technically you're almost getting, getting Tencent at a better price as a shareholder, if that makes any sense, because the discount was close to 60% at one point. So you're, you're effectively selling, uh, you're selling 10 cents as what the management deem as a premium, and then you're buying what they value, what they consider an undervalued sum of the parts on our side. So technically you're actually gonna end up with, with more of exposure to 10 cents at a better value. So uh, understand what the business is trying to do. So to the, to the, to the viewer, you actually, it's actually working in your favor. Mm. All right, another question as uh, we've been talking about a turnaround strategy. So uh, may I please have the panel's view on EOH, the turnaround strategy seems to be taking a bit <clears throat> long. Jonathan? It seems to be uh, in place. I mean, here's a stock that was the darling, uh, one of the darlings of the JSC some, some time back, a few years back. And as we know, um, you know, got involved in the wrong stuff and the wrong type of business, been hammered. Um, it would be nice to see this company turn around consistently and, um, you know, just show strong earnings growth and just start growing the business again. Um, I haven't followed it mm. for a few years um, just because I kind of lost faith in the company. Um, not to say it's probably not worth another look. Yeah. Um, but I guess, um, you know, the market and investors are in a way a bit skeptical and one is the sustainability in the business and the business model going forward that's certainly my view yeah. um, of the company nick uh, would eoh be on your radar now with the efforts that they are making <clears throat> to turn the company around yeah i think i think a little bit of patience is needed don't don't lose your patience this is directed at the viewer i think that mm -hmm. i think mr van collier and his team are doing are doing quite a good thing they are getting that house in order unfortunately eoh is one of the very few tech companies or, or it space that we have in south africa to get exposure to on the jsc and that whole sector is out of, is, is basically out of favor uh, mm -hmm. with this high yields high interest environment so i think unfortunately that sector sort of um sentiment working against them but as an individual shell i'd be a happy holder at these current levels and i think uh, i think your patience will be rewarded i think they will get it right and they are trying to get it right so you know just uh, hang in there basically to the viewer yeah all right let's talk about twitter and elon musk uh, quite a fascinating uh, fascinating uh, movements there so we've had elon musk saying that he wants to dump that 44 billion dollar deal to buy twitter and now twitter uh, taking uh, elon to court um Jonathan, who do you think here the odds are stacked up in favor of or against? <laughs> I'm not sure. I think this is going to be a, a proper battle here of exponential numbers that you're not accustomed to here in South <laughs> Africa. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, when Elon Musk came and started uh, showing interest 
and you know pr pretty much putting a, a number on the table sure the share price went up yeah. um you know i'm guessing he obviously saw something there or his uh, due diligence team saw something there that they did not like um Hmm. Yeah, Twitter's not a company that I look at uh, in terms of valuations um, or, um, you know, historical earnings growth numbers. So I, I can't comment on the fundamentals. Yeah. Um, but but it's interesting. I mean, you know, maybe Mr. Musk wants to focus more attention back on Tesla or SpaceX. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's Twitter's not... A, a firm or a, a business that I'll, I'll look at at all. Yeah. Nick, I mean, uh, we've seen the Twitter shares taking a knock uh, just now that graph we saw it down over 9%. I mean, what options does this leave then for Twitter? Well, not a great deal. Um, I'm a, I personally think Mr. Musk is, is on the, is on the cusp. Yeah, he needs, he made a firm offer, but he took the business without, uh, unfortunately, uh, without due diligence. And he made a firm commitment to to take Twitter out. Uh, I see yesterday that uh, Twitter's board approached the Delaware courts. They are going to assume to hold the deal uh, and basically complete it. And I, th I think the odds are stacked against uh, Mr. Musk here. And, and, and Delaware courts are notoriously uh, more business friendly. I think he's got himself into a little bit of a corner. Uh, and even the richest man in the world uh, might battle to get out of this one, unfortunately. But as Jonathan said, some of his numbers, I think it's a billion dollar yeah. um, basically buyout clause on the one side. Probably tens of billions are going to be made from advisors off the back of it, so this drags on. So a little bit of a soap opera, yeah. but uh, I am a fan of Mr. Musk, but I think he's, I think he's got himself into a little bit of a corner here. The days of our lives. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan, uh, your stock pick for today. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go with uh, a bank that I'm sure most of your viewers uh, are familiar with. Um, that's our local Big Blue, call it Big Blue Standard Bank. Mm -hmm. um, so I like it. So so we've got an intrinsic value of uh, 174 cents. Um, it's potential ups. Sorry, 174 rand. Potential upside of around 14 percent. Um, price to book ratio of 1.2 times, um, and that's about a 15 percent discount to its five-year average. Um, they came out with a trading statement about a month ago. Um, saying headline earnings going to be this for the six months ending June now just ended, going to be more than twenty percent higher than a year ago, um, and some of the reasons they talk about, and this I think is just a general theme in the banks, um, positive endowment from high interest rates, um, been driving net interest income growth, um, and specifically for for Standard Bank because they've just bought out uh, Liberty, higher average balance sheet um, mm -hmm. uh, value. And management have said they remain committed uh, to delivering cost growth below inflation, um, mm -hmm. positive chores, and an ROE above cost uh, of equity for this full year. So, I mean, I just did yeah. um, a bit of an assumption, 20% earnings growth. You've got uh, 18 odd rand, 1880. Um, yeah in terms of earnings, puts him on a forward PE for the year of about eight times. Um, All right. Those numbers are coming out middle of August, by the way. All right. All right. And on your side, Nick? 
Also, also staying local, JC Share, going with uh, Netcare. A okay. uh, number of reasons. Firstly, you've seen the deal that happened with MediClinic, uh, Remgro, and their their uh, their board seeing value, which we've often said is undervalued. These hospital companies uh, can't really pick on the Remgro one now, so with what they're doing with uh, MediClinic. So Netcare, we like. Uh, decent set of numbers, nice and defensive, uh, mm. big dividend payer as well. Uh, and certainly we think the worst of, of COVID is behind and uh, they're going to move towards more elective surgeries. So sitting around 15 Rand a share, we put it closer to 25 Rand. And so that's what I'm going with tonight. All right. Thank you very much for your time, gentlemen. Thanks to my guests, Jonathan Fisher from PSG Wealth, Santon Grayston and Nikunza from Sunlam Private Wealth. Stockwatcher is back tomorrow. Same time, same place. Have a good evening. Thank <laughs> you.